Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Welcome to The Art of Being You. I'm so glad to have you with us today, and uh, we're diving into another doozy. We love the doozies around here, and not just the ones from the Great American Cookie Company, which have been my weakness at times in my life, but the spiritual doozies, the hard topics we don't really like to talk about. Today, we're going to be talking about doubts, but before we do that, I I want to really just one more time, it's not going to be the last time, let's be honest here, but I'm going to plug my book Again, my new book, Goodness Culture, Recovering the Essence of Eden, is available on my website, www.rachelwartman.com. You can also sign up for my email newsletter there as well. This book is uh, in stock, available, shipping when you buy it. And I really want to encourage you to buy it. The shipping is included in the price because... um, yeah, we want to be able to to gift that to you. And look, it's important to me, um, if you like the content that I'm sharing on this podcast, if you're a regular listener, it would mean the world to me if you bought this book because it's a deeper look at the same stuff we talk about on the podcast. It's, a, uh, it's, it's going to help you understand things about God. And I know that's a bold claim. I know that. Um, but I made it. So there we go. All right. So let's dive into today's topic. We're talking about doubts. Is it okay? as Christians to have doubts about our faith. And okay, this one is tricky, right? I don't know many Christians who want to admit the things that they doubt. But let me just tell you, I was born and raised in Missouri. Okay, so Missouri's state motto is the show me state. You know what that means? That means in the early days of Congress, the representatives from Missouri would consistently say, show me, show me, prove it to me. And Missourians became dubbed the show me state because we are skeptics by nature. We want proof for what we believe. Years ago, my dad gave his life to Jesus. It's about 15 years ago now. And um, he, you know, he came from a Jewish background. He was raised Jewish. All of our family previous to him uh, in that genealogy was Jewish. And he really struggled. He's a scientist. He's a physician. He has, you know, uh, 40-something years of practicing medicine and saving people's lives through medicine. And, I mean, it's impressive, right, his scientific background. Um, and he really struggled with some of the, the scientific abnormalities that the Bible says are true. We're not even going to get into the ones in Genesis that talk about, you know, dinosaurs and, and how the world was created and the ice age and all these types of things that, that alone would be hours of podcast diving into what could be the science behind that, let alone the science of Jesus turning water into wine. And, and then we have the big ones, Right the virgin birth and the resurrection of Jesus and really the ascension of Jesus as well. Now, Jesus wasn't the only person to ascend. I said it. I'm sorry. It's true. Enoch and Elijah were both taken up into heaven, right? But neither of them actually died first, which is kind of bizarre. Uh, It's true. It's in the Bible. But Jesus, you know, when we come to Jesus, we are asked to believe two otherworldly characteristic moments, right? Two moments in time that defy all rationale, the virgin birth and the resurrection. In fact, the Bible pretty much says if you don't believe in these two things, you're not really saved. 
wow, well, what if you, you know, what if you are a scientist type of a person? What if you're a logical person? What if you're a Missourian and you're saying, show me, show me the proof, right? What do you do with those doubts? Now, I'm just talking about the basic ones that we all can understand. Then there's all kinds of doubts that we individually feel based on our own life experiences. So let's talk about it. Is it okay to doubt your faith? How do you know if faith is real? Well, let me tell you first and foremost, you can't take someone else's word for it. You can't just take someone else's word for it. Now, that's kind of a, a dicey way to say that, right? Because Romans tells us if they don't hear, how do they know? Somebody has to tell you about Jesus for you to have your own experience. But what I'm saying to you is that at some point in your life, your faith experience will have to become your own. You cannot live your life based on someone else's experience alone. Now, if you're a parent, I want you to pay close attention to this, or if you think you're going to be a parent someday. Your children cannot be expected to live their faith life solely on someone else's information. I, I think you know this about me. I have a pretty dynamic relationship with Jesus. It is exceptionally real to me. Um, I feel like I live it out as authentically as I can. And my children bear witness to that more than anyone, right? Because they're with me the most. And my children, I do not expect them to take my word for it about who Jesus is. If they're having a hard time and I'm saying to them, look, that's not how Jesus is. You just need to believe me. I'm creating a chasm bypassing the very nature that God gave them. Now, let's just piggyback to science just for a second, right? Some people actually believe that scientific, uh, the pursuit of science is not biblical. And I would say to that, complete malarkey hogwash. God invented science as a, a method to display some of the complexities of the world that he created. It brings understanding into the earth about what he created. The challenge is when those that don't know Jesus try to use science to debunk the Bible, which will never truly happen, but they can try at times to do that. That's where it becomes dicey. But I'm telling you, if you are a scientist, if you're interested in any of the STEM, uh, you know, parts of the world, physics, science, medicine, chemistry, biochemistry, that kind of stuff, you need to pursue that with the power of the Holy Spirit, because it is a calling from God to understand and bring understanding into the world about his majestic nature as a creator. Okay, that's a tangent, but let's go back to uh, uh, talking about doubts and our faith. So my kids, for example, I will say to them, look, this is how it works, but also you need to understand how it works for yourself, right? So at times it goes against every fiber of my being because I want to force them to be somewhere that they're not in their faith. But here's what I know to be true. At some point, their faith has to become theirs. It has to become real to them. And the same for you. At some point in your life, your faith has to stop being what you know to be true about Jesus because of someone else's testimony. And it has to start being about what you know to be true about Jesus because of what he is doing in your life. Christianity requires faith. You can't be a disciple of Jesus without faith because, you know, at the very least, you're laying down your life to follow him, and that requires faith. Hebrews tells us it's actually impossible to please God without faith. So what is faith? Well, at the basic level, at the basic level, and this is an oversimplification, faith is trust. Faith is what we would understand to be as trust. 
So we trust that Mary had a virgin birth. We trust that Christ was raised from the dead. And that's our initial thing, right? And then the more that we go into our faith, that trust gets so built that it becomes concrete information. See, there's no question to me about Mary having a virgin birth at this point in my life, but there was earlier in my journey. I actually got into, I I dabbled a little bit in quantum physics for a while. Um, I'm not smart enough to go all the way in, although I wish I was. Um, But quantum physics is basically, uh, this is going to be a butchering of it, but let me just try to simplify it if I can. Quantum physics is basically taking matter, one uh, source of matter, and changing it into something else. When I began to understand quantum physics at a very basic kindergarten level, I read the Bible in a completely different light. These things didn't feel um, unreachable to me. They felt very practical because Jesus knows how to crack the quantum code. When he turned the water into wine, this is exactly what he did. This is quantum physics at work. When he walked through the crowd when they were trying to push him off the hill, when he walked through the walls in what I like to call ghost mode Jesus after he was resurrected and he kept appearing at random to his disciples— This is him cracking the quantum physics code. No human on the earth has been able to do it yet. And so these miracles feel otherworldly to us. I've watched friends of mine have metal literally disappear or change substance in their bodies, you guys. This is the most, if I hadn't seen it with my own eyes, here's my Missourian background coming out. If I hadn't seen it with my own eyes, I would never fully believe it. But I did. I watched it. There was no refuting the miracle that happened. And what at the basic science level was it? Jesus came and used his quantum physics code and changed what was a metal pin holding my friend's shoulder in place to something like a rubber substance where she could move her shoulder around again. I brought her flowers after her surgery, guys. I mean, there's no refuting this in my mind. It's as true to me as as anything else, as the sky is blue. So there is scientific explanation for some of these things, but Jesus is not going to reveal that in its fullness. Why? Because faith is the way we come into the kingdom. Now, you might not struggle to imagine a virgin birth. You might not struggle to imagine a resurrection, but you may struggle to imagine supernatural financial provision, right? There might be something else. For all of us, we have to take a leap of faith to get into the kingdom. We do not get saved because God has proved to us that he is God. This is challenging because in the Old Testament, he pretty much did, right? Everybody, you weren't saved as a Jew. You were a Jew. Like you were born into it. There wasn't really a question of, it was a nationality. It was a race, an ethnicity more than it was a belief system. And so it's difficult for us as Christians to to make that leap to understanding like, well, now Jesus is asking us to individually accept him. And I do believe that the reason for that is because our sin now has a final payment. That's probably a podcast for another time. But so what do we do with these doubts when, when we have them? People who grow up in church, let me just say it this way. People who grow up in the church typically start to have doubts around their mid to late 20s. I'm talking about real doubts. I'm talking about the moment when you're trying to decide, do I actually believe what I'm reading in the Bible? And it is difficult to believe. I think we've established that in this episode so far. I want to say to you, if you are someone in your mid to late 20s, or if this happened to you at that time in your life and you began to have real doubts, this is normal. This is a normal part of your development into adulthood. 
Why do I say it like that? Well, because you're exercising critical thinking skills. And just from a brain science perspective, your brain is not fully developed until you're 25. Your impulse control is the last thing that gets fully developed. And that doesn't happen for most people until they're 25. So isn't it interesting that when the brain is fully developed, that usually begins to stir up some doubts in those who've been raised in Christianity. So again, this is normal. What's happening? Well, you're beginning to use critical thinking skills, which God needs you to have. He needs you to have critical thinking skills so that you can guard yourself from the deceptions that the enemy wants to bring in. But part of the development process, it's sort of like when a child is potty training, right? We wish they could just go from diapers to toilet trained with no issues, but there's going to be some poop on some hands from time to time getting them to that point. God is not bothered by you having a couple of doubts trying to understand how something so otherworldly could possibly be true. I'm telling you, he's not bothered by that. It's part of the natural development of of humanity. Where it becomes challenging is when we don't use our doubts as entry points to conversation. When we have doubts and we hold them in suspicion of who God is and we don't allow God an opportunity to speak into those doubts and we don't even try to discover for ourselves, that's where it's dangerous. If I'm mentoring somebody and I have quite a bit, people who have really had a lot of doubts, right? They're like, I just don't know. I don't know if what I'm believing, how does this play out? Okay, let's look at over COVID, right? All the stuff happening with BLM and the deconstruction, a lot of people leaving the church and and really struggling. Well, you know how old most of those people were? Yeah, they're in their mid to late 20s and they're really struggling with how does the gospel apply to today's world? It's a normal human struggle. And it's okay. We need to wrestle it through. But where it becomes dangerous, and I think why some pastors and leaders have struggled to allow space for doubt, is because if we don't pursue Jesus in the doubts, we probably will be afflicted by the onslaught of the enemy. I'm not saying you're going to be like demonized necessarily, but I'm telling you that the enemy does not want you to have confidence in your faith. And so there's this really vulnerable time, right? It's a really vulnerable time where if we're not really wrestling with our doubts in a healthy way with godly men and women who can help us sort through it, we actually are are susceptible is the way I would say. We're susceptible in that vulnerability to influences that are not from the kingdom of God. So it's normal, though, to to be in that spot. I want to tell you, don't be afraid to doubt. Just make your doubts a conversation starter. Look, Thomas, right, in the New Testament, so Jesus resurrects, and he's like in ghost mode, and um, he shows up to the upper room, and he meets with some of the disciples, but Thomas was out. He wasn't there. I don't know what he was doing. He needed to go get a coffee or visit his mom or, you know, we don't know what he was doing, but he wasn't in the room. And he comes back, and all of these people he has spent three years with every single day are telling him, bro, you missed it. Epic moment. Jesus just walked through these walls. He really is alive. He's not just like alive, like in heaven. He's alive on the earth. Oh my gosh, this was the most incredible moment we've all been waiting for. Every single thing he said is true. It's freaking awesome. And Thomas, in pure Missourian spirit, goes, if I am going to believe this, I'm going to have to stick my own hand in Jesus's wounds. This is so disgusting. Like, let's just normalize the story for a moment. This is out there, guys. And he says, I'm going to have to stick my hand in Jesus's wounds for me to believe that. 
That's why he gets the name Doubting Thomas. Now, let me tell you something. Thomas was not trying to say he would never believe it. He was saying, I can't take your word for it. This has to be true for me. If I'm going to continue down on this, I've got to experience it myself. And you know what Jesus does for Thomas? He comes back and he sticks his hands out and he goes, put your little fingers in there. Root around there in a little bit, which is so gross, you guys. But, you know, Jesus didn't cast Thomas out for doubting. He didn't say, Thomas, you know what? You didn't make the cut. You weren't strong enough. See ya. He goes, no, I get it. I get it. You know, maybe Thomas was 27 years old. <laughs> we don't, I don't know how old he was. You know, maybe he was in that sort of normal time and Jesus has compassion on him. And he goes, I get it. Look, here I am. Here's the wounds. Did Jesus have to prove himself to Thomas? Heck no, he's God. But he loves Thomas. And he loved the way that Thomas thinks. And he understands how important it is to think critically. And he, he humbles himself to help Thomas continue on his journey. Look, I'm saying to you today, if you have doubts in your faith, be Thomas. Ask God to come and meet you. Thomas showed back up to the upper room and he stayed there waiting for Jesus to come back. He didn't go, ah, oh, you better track me down. And in this air of sort of arrogance, say to Jesus, if you want me, you better prove it to me. No. He goes, man, I missed it. I want to, I want to believe. I want to. And Jesus responds to his faith and meets him in that place. So if you have doubts and you're sitting there saying, Jesus, I think I might need to put my own hands inside your wounds. Guess what Jesus wants to do for you? He wants to meet you in that place. I'm not at all saying he's going to, you know, put his stigmata hands out for you to put your fingers in. But I'm saying he will meet you in that place. He understands why you are struggling the way that you are. And we have to dispel this lie that we're disappointing God when we have doubts. The other thing I want to say to you is that you are never going to understand all there is in the kingdom. I, I There was a lot of things I'm still understanding, and I've been regularly taking my doubts to the Lord for like 15 plus years. It's a process, right? Some things we may never understand. So give yourself time. Don't put God in a position where you're like, it's now or never, Lord. If I'm going to believe you, you have to X, Y, Z. See, that is us trying to take command of God. He does not like that. Never usually goes well. So when we tell God, I'll believe it when you prove it, we've actually sidestepped faith. Why? Because faith is trust at the most basic level. Trust at God's word, right? We trust him that he is who he said he is. We try our best to believe it because we know somehow intellectually it's right. And then we're waiting for God to confirm it with us. For some of us, we have doubts because we don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is God on the earth. Like he's what's in the temple inside of you. You know, when we say our body is a temple and Jesus is living in us, the Holy Spirit's presence is a part of that. And sometimes some of our doubts are happening because we're trying to believe something we don't have the Holy Spirit's empowerment for. So if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I want to encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit to baptize you. Ask him to bring somebody into your life who can lay hands on you. Heck, I know a number of people who have had encounters in their bedroom with the Holy Spirit by themselves. The Holy Spirit came and baptized them. So, you know, if you need that, ask for that. So a couple of practical steps as we end that I want to just say, if you're listening to this and you're going, yeah, you know, that's me. You're speaking right to me. 
I really have had some major doubts and I haven't known what to do with them. Or maybe you've been afraid to talk about them for whatever reason. Here's four practical things that you can do. So write this down, please, because this is how you're going to spur your faith forward. Look, if you can make it into your 30s and you are you know, convinced, you are, are confident, you have dealt with your doubts, man, you will be unstoppable. But you got to get to that point and you have to be okay with the process. So number one, make your faith real to you. If your whole faith has been taking someone else's word for it, you've got to make it real to you. How do you do that? Well, number two, do your own studies. Study the Bible for yourself. So what I'm saying to you is listen to podcasts like this. Listen to your preacher's sermons. These are great, but you have to have your own time where the Holy Spirit is leading you and guiding you and teaching you. Because otherwise, again, you're still just borrowing from others. Third thing to do. So number one, make your faith real. Number two, make it real for yourself. Number two, do your own studies. And number three, record your testimonies. Record them, maybe on some three by five note cards or on the notes app on your phone. But here's what happens. See, God does something really amazing and, and, and we don't write it down. And a year goes by and we forget. So we start to say, well, is God even real? And we forget these moments, these milestone moments where he met us and exceeded our expectations. So make sure you actually stop and ask the Holy Spirit to remind you and make a log of those. Record your testimonies. And fourth and final, go and make new testimonies. Go and make new testimonies. Put yourself in a position where you have to see God show up. Maybe it's at a conference. Maybe it's on a short-term mission trip with your church. Maybe it's just going out to Walmart and, and seeing what will happen if you talk to somebody about Jesus. Step out and make some fresh testimonies because one of the things that happens when we doubt is that we draw back. And if you draw back, you're missing the whole point of doubting. Doubting is a conversation starter to draw closer to Jesus, not away. I hope this was helpful for you guys. If you are really struggling with doubts, feel free to reach out to me over private messages on social media, or you can send me an email to rachel at rachelwartman.com. Um, I'd love to pray with you and for you. I've been there. Most of us uh, in my age range who are doing this kind of a thing have been there. It's a very common thing, and you can get through it. Until next time, be blessed. So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wortman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed.